honesty hour, I did not know what I was doing in regards to launching this podcast. And I wouldn't have been able to do it without Anchor. Anchor makes starting a podcast super, super easy and allows you to not only use their platform to distribute the podcast, but you can even go on your phone or computer and record and edit the podcast right on their platform. Best of all, it's totally, totally free. So if you're interested in starting a podcast, download the Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started today. So you are listening to the Strange on Purpose podcast. I had Richard Moore on for this week's episode and just crushing it when it comes to sales and LinkedIn and things like that. And I really enjoyed this episode because I was able to learn a lot about what we should be focused on and how I can grow as a salesman. So I'm super excited about this episode. And if you love what you hear, if you could leave us a review, that would be rad. But thank you again. And I hope you like this episode of the Strange on Purpose podcast. All right, what's going on, Richard? I just want to thank you so much for coming on the show. I'm so excited, dude. Man, I'm so pumped as well. Thank you very much for the invite. And uh, yeah, this is a bit of a, a win for me. I'm excited to be here. <laughs> it's a long time coming, man. I'm sorry it took me so long to schedule this out. Uh, it's fine. I'll remember this. I'm, <laughs> I'm joking. I'll, I'll, I'm really excited about it. And um, I think we uh, we had a we had a chat or recorded something several months back. But um, yeah, it's, it's been a while. Dude, it has, man. And I, I enjoyed our talk a lot. And it, it was evident then that you know your shit and you know what you're talking about. Thank you. Yeah, I am. Um, uh, I think I, I do my best not stray from stuff I know, and I, I keep it, I keep it focused. And it's nice, you know. The more you know about your thing, the more strident you can be. And uh, I'm all about pure signal, as I call it. You know, pure signal on the thing you do well, and um, and let other people do their thing. Dude, absolutely. It actually, it took me a while to to be okay with being a, like be okay with specializing in something i felt like i i didn't want to lock myself down i'm young like i need to be able to do all these yeah. different things but i've been able to accomplish a lot just because i have specialized and yeah. i picked that one thing so what is that i'm going to turn down this heater really quick but what is that one thing for you uh it's, it's an interesting question and i think and actually uh, the, the one thing for me really is and this has to be a quote unquote is is the word sales because it is such a spectrum of, of ways of engaging with people and um, I've come from at once upon a time the most hardcore think Wolf of Wall Street trading for minus the strippers kind of selling um, genuinely man all the way through to the warmest uh, way of the gentlest way of selling so that people don't even realize they've done it and um, that took me a while to get to, to be cool with as well because there's a stigma attached to it and I think that if you can do sales in the right way you become a real asset to people and the fact is that, that it, it makes the world go round it provides oxygen for my business but it also helps so many people out there um, and if you're just not a dick then actually you get far and it's and it's practical and very valuable to teach people to professionally not be dicks that's the nutshell of what i teach i suppose no i dig that man and i think again not being a dick goes a long way but also like i feel like not even i feel like i feel like we're always selling ourselves right we're always in this performance so everybody's really in sales and there is a stigma around it but we're always yeah. selling all the time at every moment that's it and that's where, kind of where I come from, and, and um, I'm really fortunate. I'm uh, I'm working with LinkedIn local youth um, in a few weeks' time, 
So, and they've wanted to, me to come in, and I think Alex Galvez, one of the co-founders, pitched me on it last year, but she said, rather than just kind of sales, this is you. So these are people about to hit their careers, you know, they're about to go for those first interviews. So what does selling look like in that interview? You know, how do you subtly add the right kind of nuances that makes people go, wow, I need to bring this person in? Because as we know, and I'm an example of this in the past, you know, you might have great talent, doesn't mean you're going to get a job. It's about how to uh, ace an interview. And um, uh, uh, I, I had a past life as a, as a sales director at a headhunting company, so it's been quite handy to go into that. But I, I, I really think that, you know, you're, I, I'm selling myself to my, my daughter at four in the morning when I'm trying to get her to, to calm down a bit and, and let us get some sleep, all the way through when I'm selling um, to someone in a really uh, kind of a warm way where I'm not trying to get them to feel like they're being pressured into anything. Like, that, you know, it's almost that it's their idea that um, uh, they, they make some kind of decision even though I'm maybe one who's dipping the honey in the air, you know yeah. what I mean? So um, it's uh, it has to permeate all the parts of our lives um, uh, anyway, so you might as well do a good job with it. Where do you think that ability comes from? Like, is that self-awareness? Is that um, emotional intelligence? Like, in it... Like just the ability to sell, is that self-awareness or emotional intelligence? And is it different across like different areas? Like let's say you're in a job interview, that's of course gonna be different than when you're selling to your daughter, when you're trying, like, where does that come from? This is something I get asked all the time and and this is a, this is an, it's intuition and it's, it's, it's knowing how people can tick. And so a really practical thing is, is uploading to your subconscious the person in front of you. So the more you feed that subconscious, the vibe that person's giving you, so by letting them talk and things like that, the more your brain knows how to kind of speak to that kind of guy. Do you see what I mean? So, you know, you'll have a whole load of friends and there'll be some people who are like that 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 person personality X and someone's personality Y. And you have you know innately to speak to that person in a different way to than the other. That's because you fed your subconscious with their vibe. And I think um, it all comes from just being good at seeing the other side. Like that, it's just the empathy thing. I think I wonder if it was um, part nurture. Uh, you know, I was raised by maybe it's a woman thing. I don't know. I was I was raised by a mum with two sisters, mm. and uh, and I think that I, it was an interesting dynamic that that family life. And I think that I was, you know, went through went went through a lot of bad shit when I was like eleven or so with their, my mum's breakup and things like that. And really pulled together as a family. And I think my my mum was very good at making us all go cohesive and the wider extended family was always big get togethers and things like that and and always about family. You know, there was no T V on when we were at the dining table where it was all that kind of vibe about spending time with each other. And little by little I wonder if that's affected me. Obviously other things would have as well. But I when I had the first sales job man, I just I was like I seem to be quite good at tuning into the person, and the technique was like a car crash. But, the, mm. but I got I got buy-in because people I just seemed to to get people, and and I wasn't trying to write notes and work out who they were. You know what I mean? I was just it's it's a feeling. So and I think I think that the practical thing is just be around people a lot, and you tune in, don't you? Yeah, I love that. I remember 
my junior year of junior year of college, uh, we did like this assignment in one of the only courses that I actually liked throughout my entire college career. Um, and basically, she's like, "Hey, raise your hand if you think you're a good listener." And everybody, for the most part, raised their hand. And then she put us through this exercise, and basically, what we found is that no one was listening. We were just listening to respond. And I think that yeah. that goes a long way. And like, do you actually genuinely care about the person? Are you actually listening? And then are you able to see from their shoes? You get that, and it's so easy to actually it's easy to connect with that person and bring things out. So I, I 1000% agree. And I, I want to go back to something you did touch on because you talked about your family life and like when you were yeah. younger and I was scrolling Instagram and I saw a quote and I don't remember who it was from, but it was like um, rock bottom created more success than privilege ever did or something like that. Or you get the, you get the, the point. Um, can you talk to me a little bit about what were those challenges that you were going through when you were growing up yeah. and what kind of person you were and how that's um, transitioned and helped you into who you are? Is helping you as yeah, today. Absolutely. You get what I'm trying to say. <laughs> I, I do. I totally get what you're saying. And, and perversely, I'm, I'm really pleased about all of the difficulties and adversities and, and abuse that I might have gone through um, because it's it's molded me to be someone I'm really happy with being at the moment and then uh, uh, I know a lot of people who aren't in that place so I'm very fortunate for that but um, I was quite uh, someone was selling me on this on Saturday on how I'm apparently a massive extrovert and I don't know if I really am um, I know that I need to be openly in public if my business is going to thrive so that's something I force myself to do but I've always been the shy guy I didn't have loads of friends. I was kind of, I was like, I was the good boy at school. I would probably be in the top third academically. Um, and I was like a massive nerd, like never any good at sports. Um, and and someone asked me about if there was like a defining moment that really defined me about being me rather than being someone I should be uh, on a recent interview. And I remember I was 13. This, was, this wasn't the turning point but it's a really important one when i was 13 this kind of encapsulates me as a child um i remember i was it was lunchtime. i was in high school it's a really sunny day and i was looking out the window and i explained why i was looking out the window in a sec and i was looking out out into the field and everyone's playing soccer as you call it uh, out outside and um i remember thinking oh i should be out there because there's a load of friends doing it and the reason why I was looking out the window is because I was in the IT lab <laughs> and I was programming my first operating system and I'm like I was just nerding out and I had like three friends who were just the same and we kept our, kept our heads low because you don't want to share that you're you know you're more enthralled by like bits of circuit board and trying to build a computer from scrap bits and things like that and I'm really pleased that for some reason I decided to do that rather than do the other because it felt like I was like but I'm like I couldn't want to do this more you know and, and so on weekends we would be dropped off by my friend's mum at like computer fairs and we'd pick up old old bits of hard drive and that and we'd build computers and try and sell them and like and then flip them you know that's like that's pretty where the sales the entrepreneurial things come from it has always been in there but I, I I've always been like wanting to be surrounded by myself and my my geeky stuff and friends that are like that and i don't give a shit about anything else you know and i think that fed through to um to university i really fell in love with um the romance of being an academic and i i really like i was the guy that would be 
like our library at Warwick would be open till 11 o'clock at night and I'd be the guy like you know with the lights on like the little lamp <laughs> one's gone home and it's like the dusty books and I love that vibe because I was like I was like this is this is it was almost like there should be music playing it's like if there was a montage in a Hollywood film that bit would be in there you know and um, you know I, I genuinely wanted to to completely geek out about the area of history because I both my degrees are in history and, and write books wear a cardigan with a hole in it you know lecture and just like be generally really like anti-social and just in my thing you know and um but I, the, the story the short version is i didn't get funding for my phd um mm. so i had to go get a job and now i'm 38 <laughs> so like it's suddenly like i was like i'll just do this for a bit and then i'll go back and it didn't work it was in the end i was like oh shit i'm actually really good at the sales thing and yeah. i was making loads of cash and so i just cracked on with it really and uh and i think i think it's just nice being hearing that voice in you and letting it let it come out and, and actually it's difficult because because you know what you should be doing is a lot of conventions and 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 now one of the hardest things um was you know my mom had a very difficult time when i was like 11 when when she broke up with my father and we didn't see him again i've only reconnected him recently so that's 25 years it's been so it was really difficult because she had to navigate that with three kids and and so we had to do a lot of growing up and things so I learned to be an adult, but also, and I think that's kind of part of what made me decide to, to just do the things I was interested in because she was very much like, screw it, if you want to be a certain way, then you should go do that thing. And so she's, and it sounds cheesy now, but she's definitely my hero and she's been a reason why I, I, I molded myself and why I have. It's very interesting. And I honestly, like, I feel the exact same way and very, very similar path. Not so much with like the circuit boards and computers. Like, I took stuff apart, but it was more like writing. In English yeah. and things like that and I've always like come back to the same question like why am I the way that I am and it's very interesting the way that you draw that correlation because I've never really saw it like that and I think yeah. it is because again like my mom you know and like my dad not being there my mom doing the things she wanted to do because yeah. you know what we sh- you should be doing right you should be talking to those people you should be playing on the playground and it's so easy for for people but also for kids just to fall into that status quo and it's cool that you that you did yeah. that that you did yeah um what would you say that's, is go ahead i was just saying that that's the same it's, it's 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 easy and it's hard because sometimes it requires you not being yourself but people find it seductive mm. to to do things they they quote unquote should do because because it that it helps them fit in and and, and if they don't fit in there's fear and and it's so irritating that it takes it takes being older typically to realize that it just doesn't matter um, and, I, and I think one thing I found very difficult was about seven years ago when I pivoted out of the nine to five and my, you've got to understand it's like two, two and a half decades of conditioning of you'll go to university, then you'll get a job in London, by the way, and it'll be wearing a suit in an office because that's what you should be doing. Then, you know, wife, mortgage, children, pension, retire, that's the end of it. And because and it's not their fault, it's just that the, the generation of before had only known that because that's all they could do. And there were comments from um, people I knew who were saying things like, you know, well, when are you going to go get a proper job and things like that? And it was like, um, there is another way. And so you've just got to not try and convince people, you've just got to go do it and let the results prove the point. But that was very difficult because um, there was this feeling of I, I should I should keep pushing through and it just didn't feel right. And, and 
I experienced this recently with my with my wife uh, 18 months ago or so. And we, you know, we've got two children now, and it was like she's a lawyer, okay, um, and she said I um, I feel I should go back to law, and I'm like, oh, you said the word should there, so I, what do you want to do? And she said, well, what I love is high-end cake decorating like baking cakes so we bought her a new kitchen and she started her own bakery and she now runs her own bakery and like does these really intricate cakes and she never skipped into the living room in the middle of the night going look at this file i've just finished but she does you know look at this cake and like there you go do you know what i mean so it's uh very hard and i think for someone of my age it's very hard because all we've ever known is parents and teachers grooming us to uh, to fall in step in a certain way and um uh, the current world that you and I inhabit is a very different one, isn't it? You think it's easier to sell when you're in an area or when you're in an industry that you absolutely love? Yeah, I, I do, um, and and I'm proof of it because I I did have jobs in the past. I remember when I was headhunted out of a job to, to this headhunting company. Actually, um, I was doing a job I didn't want to do that was selling, and I was moving to a job that was going to be selling, but I really wanted to do it because it was what I was doing and now I'm like I love what I do I can't get enough of the back of the net feeling when you close a sale and I love the process the process of making of getting someone to a point where they thank you for buying your thing is is what I'm all about and and I love it and it's it's obviously nice to for my own baby but it's all by design you know if you're saying something you're into, you're into it really matters if you my advice to anyone who's saying something they don't really believe in or don't care about is just go somewhere else because you can sell anything as we've rightly said already uh, you might as well go find something you're into this is why I, this is why i worry now about about people who pick up and run with selling someone else's product or service yeah. ultimately when you really, really have the back to the wall and you really need a sale, you're just not going to have the heart. Whereas I'm cool with, you know, I remember years back, I remember it was like, right, I need like a grand this week, otherwise I can't pay payroll. So no sleep. But I was fine with it because it's part of my whole journey. It wasn't, there wasn't any moment where I was like, man, I can't believe I have to do this for this guy. It was actually for me. And I'm, you, you need that, that innate love of it because it's something you built yourself it means you'll always get up at whatever time to do it, won't you? Yeah, absolutely. I do have a question. So I'm a deeply, deeply strategic and futuristic person. Um, and I lean into those strengths, especially like when I'm selling. Um, I lean into those strengths. So one, how do you feel about that? But also two, how can someone go about identifying their strengths? And then three, how can they nurture their, their sales ability with those strengths? Yeah, I think... I think the, the best way I've found to um, hone your strength, well, there's two ways really, and we like to, th- to think the best way to, to know our strengths is to be, to be given feedback from the market, from people, and that can work really well. I feel the best way to, to be, become aware of your strengths is to hear yourself using them. So one of the reasons why I started my startup Q&A, uh, weekly show, is that I knew every time I was asked a question, I would be honing my philosophy. And every single time when I'm asked, Richard, what's the best way to court an investor? I would get better at that answer. And I would get better at delivering in general anyway, but I would get better at answering that thing. And it goes for all the other stuff. So the things you feel you're probably decent at doing, you need to go do them a lot. And I've used the analogy in the past, It's if you've never played 
I, I'm not a footballer, but it's a good example. And actually, if you've never played football before, you don't decide strategically what position you always go play. You don't sit on the bench and go, ah, uh, yeah, I'm going to be the striker. You go play alone. I played in primary school football, and I realised quite soon I was a shit striker. But I was really good on the right wing because I was crap with my left foot and I was really fast. So that worked for me. Did not put me in goal. That was a bad move. So you learn <laughs> by being on the pitch, you know. And, you know, I mean, if you think about like that Q&A, I know what stuff to talk about now. And I know how, how I sound. I've heard myself say things a million and one times. There's been like over a thousand questions now. It's really great to be able to say, to be kind of feel so tuned in to your own voice. And I don't think that a lot of people are clear on their own voice yet because they don't let themselves speak enough. I know it sounds cute, but like in whatever medium is required, it might be that you write rather than you speak, but you, you need to hear yourself. And from that, you'll be clear where your strengths are. And you'll know it's like, do you know what? I've got to stop talking about that thing because I just don't really know it. And this thing's really resonating. And I really enjoyed the process of talking about that and look at the reaction I'm getting from people as well. And um, that's a long play, and that's of course a problem as well. Because with anything, people want, like we would say with sales, the reason why people screw up sales is they want the short win. I'll hold my breath forever. Like I'll just go on forever, and, and no matter how long it takes, I'll, I'll do that because that that may be the way I have to sell a particular person. So no problem. Do you see what I mean? I think that that's the way, the right way to look at it. Yeah, and it, it goes back to self-awareness, and that's that's what Brittany Hoffman was talking about in the episode where we interviewed her. She said, you got to ask yourself questions, you got to figure out what's your voice. Like, even if it's like, here's this piece of content, asking yourself, what do I feel about this? What's my opinion? Actually yeah. knowing yourself. I love what you say about the Q&A, and I might have to steal that. I'll credit you, but I might have to steal it. That's dope, man. Um, I, I never thought about I just, that. I know for a fact that I've launched quite a few Q&As, and people are like, this is a great idea. I was like, the only thing is to be consistent every week to make sure you keep showing up for it. Mm -hmm. But I love this little process. So every Saturday, I put out a poll on what people want to have the Q&A on. And then, and then once the results are in on Sunday, it's like, right, you voted for this. And, and so throw your questions down. And we just finished about an hour ago. And it's like, people show up every single week and it's so nice and I, that, that's on IG that's on uh, on on uh, Facebook and, and on YouTube it's just nice that people have the same kind of questions they know to come here for this set of questions on this you know this yeah. kind of thing and um, I may not know a lot about other things but I know a lot about the bits I do and, and you know it's nice it's nice to it's nice to hear uh, to, to get a question that you've never heard, had before it's written in a different way but know the answer because this is the 17th time you've answered it in your way you know what I mean yeah. I kind of like that I love that a lot. I literally, I might make a poll today. I'm not sure where, but maybe LinkedIn group, maybe Facebook group, maybe Instagram, I don't know, but I like that a lot. But that's an interesting, it's an interesting test of your audience, actually, because um, when I put it on Instagram and I put it on Facebook, I'm almost always getting the same results mm. in the polls. It just goes to show my audience is kind of similar on, on both, I think. Um, so uh, yeah, it's a good test about what your demographic really is like. I'm really um, gonna yeah, do that. You know, it's an excuse to do live, which I, I'm always after. <laughs> I, yeah, that's cool. My audiences, I feel, not I feel, I know they're very, very different across platforms. So even the groups yeah. that I've built, they're very different. So I might test that for everything. That's cool. Um, yes. <laughs> what are some things that people can do to, like tangible actions people can take outside of just doing yeah. that they can take to increase their sales ability, to get better at it? Well, I think um, that... One thing, one 
thing I would suggest is people, as a warning is people are careful about um, uh, overlearning in the theory sense. So YouTube videos, webinars, books, and so on, it's all very noble to learn. And I read it all, like every day I always read something, um, but it's a form of procrastination and not building yourself by just learning all the time. And sales is a people sport, and you have to be in amongst people. Probably the best, uh, most practical way to ease yourself in, and I'm speaking specifically now to maybe those who are shy, not confident, introverted, and so on, because those that are confident are going to help themselves at this. It's it's go to networking events. It, you know, it makes a huge difference. Um, and I know someone very well whose um, wife has started a business. She's a photographer, and she's a great photographer. Got all the kit and so on, but she's not. She doesn't feel that she's alpha enough to be able to interact with people and close. You know, she feels like she should be hitting the phones and cold calling. It's like, no, you're just going to be in places where opportunities might come up. So I've invited her to my events and she's come to a few. And at the last one last week, she was like, she ran over to me and was like, I've just met this guy who has, who does this thing and, and he needs this thing that I do. And I'm like, and I'm like, you wouldn't have done that last time, but this month now you've been feeling a little more, um, you know, a little less nervous and just exposure. And you can't move for networking events. And if you can't afford them, you go to LinkedIn locals and things like that. And it's, it's all good because being around people who are just as nervous as you uh, and, and just, just interacting will mean you naturally get onto a, a talking a plane where you can start talking to people i think that's probably the best way to learn selling because it's in its purest form and it's and the the, the most important thing is you don't don't try and sell them you just have a chat and people will naturally naturally ask so what is it you do and you're away that really makes a big difference um uh, i think that's a far better use of your time to begin with than jumping on dm and trying to close people because you just piss everyone off that way you know what i mean you just do <laughs> there's funny. an art to closing dms and i think uh, it, it takes place after having got yourself warmed up around real people yeah. so i i think you should keep your shit quick by being in the game once or twice a month in a networking event it's important bouncing off of that one of the mistakes that i see a lot is um, and I was just talking to someone about this is, hey, like I have all these things in my pipeline about to close like five deals. I'm super excited. Work. OK, I just closed three. I'm going to work. I'm going to work. I'm going to work. And then it's done. And maybe they want yeah. a retainer or whatever. And there's nothing in the pipeline. So how do you know how much, how many clients, how many, sorry, how many leads you need in that pipeline? How do you know that number? Yeah, this is a this is a lot of my work with corporates is, is along these lines, and so I help a lot of sales directors to kind of pick this apart. It definitely depends on what you do. What you've got to be asking yourself is is you you've got to map back from the outcome, which is how many clients do I actually need at any one time? Because a lot of people talk about oh I need all these leads. Like you only need like some consultants worry about this. Like dude, you need six clients a month. That's it. You know, it's not really much. So if you map back from that, so. There's a wonderful thing which tends to stand up in most most industries, which is called the sales of one in three. Uh, sorry, the rule of one in three, which is for every deal, you tend to have to have three really good pitches. Because one falls through, one carries over, and one converts. And to get those three really great pitches, you need three for each of those. So you have three pitches, three pitches, and three pitches. And in each of those sets of three pitches, a good one comes through, 
that's how you get your three great ones and that's how you get your deal. So you can program your way back from it. And I, I like kind of make it formulate because when you work long term enough, those numbers do stand up, you know. Um, and I think that's what people can do. But alarm bells should be ringing the moment you have enough money, the moment you have enough clients, you should be acting on the basis you'll lose them. Because sometimes, no matter how great and epic a service you provide, shit happens and they have to leave you. I've had it before when people say, I'm really sorry, we love what you do, but it's policy that we try someone new each year. I mean, it's policy. So it doesn't matter how great you are, we just got to work the market like that's that. And you never know what's going to happen. Someone might make a stupid decision, they screw their budget, and now they can't work with you. So you might lose your, your best customer at any time. And at the, what I find is funny is that people are like, oh, I'm fine, I'm fine, I'm fine. Oh, I've just lost a big client. Now it's action stations. You should work on the basis that you may always lose someone. That helps deliver quality. But also, it allows you to build in redundancy. <clears throat> I'm kind of a never happy kind of guy. I'm all, I'm ne it's never big enough, there's never enough. But, but that's, a, that's a personal thing. But aside from that, I'm always working on the basis that if I lost one, two, three or four clients, where would that leave me? You know, is there enough runway? You know, because it's not just do I have work to do, it's who pays for the food then? about the cars and the mortgages and all that kind of stuff. You know, I've got children. So all that, you know, it matters to have because it's, there's a duty of care, you know. And yeah. it's not to a family, at least it's to a business, as you well know, as a, a running your own company. So alarm bells if it's going well. And ironically, you should be working harder when it's going well because that, that wonderful position of it all going well is often a precarious one. Dude, absolutely. I love that you mentioned that and knowing that specific number and reverse engineering that because it's something I didn't do initially. I'm just like, yeah, we should hit six figures here. And then someone's like, why? And it's like, well, I don't know. Like, it's a big number. It looks cool, right? Yeah, we're going to hit seven yeah. figures. It looks it cool, nice. right? Yeah. But why? Okay. How much do we need to make that happen? Okay. How much do we need in the pipeline to make happen? Okay. What's your close rate? Like, I love that you mentioned exactly. that because I just didn't think about it. It was just, this number looks good. But everyone has a number, which evolves over time. And for instance, the client I'm seeing tomorrow who works in digital publishing, they're a 200 million pound business. There's a team I'm working with and I've audited the data and we know there's a team of, there's like 25 salespeople. We know that every 7.1 pitches, there is a deal. Mm. And so to get a deal in a week, which is what their, their target is, they have to do at least seven. So if we build redundancy, 10 pitches a week, we get a deal. That's two a day. That's one in the morning, that's one in the afternoon. Now we're talking about one pitch in the three hours in the morning, one pitch in the three hours in the afternoon. So to get the one pitch, you need to get three decision makers on the phone. So in the three hours, each hour you get one decision maker. So how many decision makers do you get on the phone in an hour? Well, I normally get like two or three. Okay, you're winning, no problem. Or well, I don't really do so well. Right now you go, you go back and back and back and it comes all the way back to how many new leads am I putting in the pipeline? How many new connections today? If, if you, and I think the other, the best example I did myself was 2015, I was offline consulting, like I've just described, yeah. but now then I started, I pivoted to online. And every single day, I started 20 new conversations in DM with people on Facebook. It was brutal, dude, it was brutal, like 20 a day, for, it was like a month and a half. Because it's not 20 a day, it's the carryover from the day before as well. And it was like, like playing all these games of chess, but 
that is the way to make sure that was that was how I stacked the pipeline yeah. and then I got I remember got to like 12, 15 clients like within a week or two and I was really went hard and like every day the calls coming in and then you can ease back because you've got that data but your very smallest component might not be even a, um, a, a new connection each day it might be you know that you're doing certain things to have a good vibe in your day so like every day I need to listen to Q's podcast to feel good about myself so now I can whatever might be you know might be something will start the day by reading a book whatever your components you require you break it all the way down and and that's it's that classic don't look at the summit look at the step in front of you kind of thing if you want to climb a mountain I just I, I really believe in it because then it's not a wishful thinking thing it's a we, well, we know we'll get to this amount because it's projectable I like that a lot what are you mentioned like DMs and messages? What are the what are some things that you're saying in those DMs and messages? Maybe the first message, second message, third, whatever that looks like. What are some things that you're saying? Yeah, this is a sad thing, but it but it's 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 sad that people are like this. But this is the reality. If you want to get somewhere with the DM game, and this is from Cold, you have to just be um, you have to do something unique, of course. And what's sad is being unique is daring to do a modicum of research it's 14 seconds on their fucking profile that's all you do it's like you don't have to do much but because most people as i said you're looking at that short term how i close this guy now what they're doing is that steaming through 400 people to try and get a, a close and it's like why don't you do less <laughs> with with more you know do more with less people and the, to get to so it will be things like so, so rather than opening with something cold, I would go and, I would, is there a step before, which is I'll go in and, and consume their stuff. So for instance, on LinkedIn, which we both on a lot of the moment, I will engage in posts. This is the crazy stuff, like this, I know it's radical. I'll actually read the fucking content. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know, I know, I know, I know. I'll actually read their content, or even listen to the video. <laughs> and then, but then consuming it, now I can write a comment, not on my content, on theirs. So I'm coming down from my throne and going into their world and writing on theirs. And I was talking about this on, uh, on a presentation recently. Once you've done that two or three times and got them to respond, now you send a connection request. And now you can DM with, hey Q, I, I, I'm loving the content. It's really nice to do the comments. I just thought we'd connect as well. You've got the familiarity bred in already. You always get the accept, uh, accepted request. And the, all you do is you, there's three steps to kind of do the practical, but the first step is you build the connection, which is just how's it going? Spend time on their profile. I saw you did that thing, how's that? Don't go too deep. Don't be like, oh, I saw your daughter Lucy had a nativity play. I was, I was a little bit stalky, but you know, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like something along the lines, <laughs> I saw it up to how did it go? So you do that first, you build a connection. The second step is invariably, you get on the subject of what you guys do. And within this, you have, you have of course, people who are less experts at, at your thing than you, people who are your peers, and then there's people who are better than you, you know, they know more than you uh, about your space. It doesn't matter what, you, what it is, because you're just building connections, and that's worth something in itself, as you know. But those people who don't necessarily know as much about your space and your services and your world as you do, will soon realize it. Because in the second step, what you need to do is help without agenda. 
who held without agenda, and that, that's a phrase from a guy called Nick Kuzmich, who's like the number one uh, Facebook ads guy on, online. So he, he does like the campaigns from Tony Robbins and things like that. So he's like, his thing is, outwardly at least, just help them. And that's not like advise and tell them what to do. Just like when the conversation gets around to it, without you steering it aggressively, yeah. when it comes around to it, you drop in some things. And it leads you to the third step, the final step, which is the cue. Not the Q as in Q, but the C-U-E. Um, but the, the Q basically is a compliment. That's the moment, and that's what it always works. It's the moment when they give you, um, like, oh, do you know what? I never heard it that way. Or that's so inspiring. Or, oh, my God, I didn't, I never looked at it that way. I can totally use it. Thank you so much. So any kind of compliment, and if you're nervous about this, you go for the second compliment. But that's the, that's the Q for you to now ask something like well look you know i know i can help why don't we hop on a call something like that so that process sometimes is like seven minutes other times it's nine months but the thing you'll understand with, is with a decent amount of volume you'll be able to harvest them eventually and it just works and it's because they have given you the uh the green light to go ahead so so to kind of to be um to be revisionist on gary vaynerchuk's jab 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 right hook it's jab, superscript, M, right hook. So the N is however many times you have to jab, and then right hook. And so you can ask it eventually. You don't just ask everyone, because because as you can imagine, some people aren't ready for it. Yeah, so that's, that's in a nutshell how you do it. That's beautiful. I see, uh, just as a creator, and if not even talking about Instagram or YouTube, but including all those, but LinkedIn specifically, when I jumped on, um, I generated a lot with LinkedIn. And I watch other people generate a lot of views, a lot of engagement, but no cash, no money, no real growth. And it's because they did a lot of jabbing, a lot of jabbing or a lot of hooking, but not not a lot of both. And they they didn't know when to hook. So I like that. I like that a lot. I've actually never read that book. I just always hear people reference it and talk. Yeah, it's it's one of those books where with the love and respect to him, of course, he's adored by me. I don't really consume much Gary Vaynerchuk stuff, but he's one of those where you like you read the first page and you're like, okay, I got it. <laughs> you know, the rest is anecdotal to prove the point, but it's like it's the thesis quite simple. Um, but I think the thing the thing is that especially in twenty nineteen, it's it's wrong, I believe, to still believe content is king. It's not enough. Community is king. Content mm. provides gravity. When people are in orbit around you, now you can because the, the the game is in is the comments leading you into DMs. And the reason why people don't they jab all day and they don't get anything is because they don't show up for their own fucking content. <laughs> but also, when people are starting to show some interest, it's like they try and go for the jugular. It's like just take play it cool. And the, the thing is, there's no formula for that part because it's people. And so some people are like, they'll take a while and some people don't, you know what I mean? Yes. There just, is... firing back, just firing back at you out of interest, how did you, uh, when you started getting like inbound interest, let's call it, how did you pivot that into uh, uh, to, to, to opportunities that were meaningful, at least in terms of cash flow? Immediately I created a group. Um, and there was a guy who just came into our office. He made us, um, where is it actually? These are right here. These notebooks that say Misfit on them. It's already got a logo. Yeah, I just saw that um, on Instagram. Yeah, nice. He's one of my good friends now. But um, he's like, I went to this event and this company does a lot of similar things that you do. They've got an agency and then they've got an events company. Mm-hmm. Um, 
of course, like we do different things and there's more to it. Yeah. But he's like, at the end, they were like, sell, 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 sell throughout the event. And then at the end, he's like, yeah, if you ever think of a video, think of us. And he's like, you know what? I won't. I'll think of Q's team. And yeah. he said, the reason is because we focus on community and we're never selling. We're just all bringing value. Um, and I think for us, like, it was all about the community. We were all bringing those things. But also, I was never afraid to ask because I knew that I brought so much damn value. So again, like you said, those, those cues, hey, Q, this is amazing, blah, 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 blah. Okay, I can help. Yo, yeah. I've done this before. And unless you get those cues, it's like, you're just not there yet. Sorry, yeah. keep going. Like, yeah. You've got to earn the right. That's the thing. And, and I, I, I love that. The, the community being the reason. It's just, it's funny because I work with a lot of events businesses. And if you look at my New York event, I really feel I nailed it in terms of what I was trying to do, which is instead of build an event and try and get people to go, you go to the community and give them an event. Right? So if the community is, is content creators, mostly in and around New York, then you give them an event on content creation and you invite those top people to speak there. They were, and the difference, the, the kind of the, the proof it worked was when we had 41 people in the room, I reckon it was over 80% of them, when they walked in, there was no like, hi, I'm Richard, nice to meet you. It was hugs. Because even though they had not met each other, and we all went out for like drinks afterwards, it wasn't like, okay, I'll see you later, here's my business card. It was hugs, and it was literally like friends, reunion kind of thing, because there was this community, and I didn't build the community, I was part of it on, online, but I tapped into it, and I think you give the community an event, or give, all my products have been built like that. So my Monetize You course, one of my best courses, is which is how to uh, convert talent and knowledge you already know, in whatever it might be, into money, like it's ugly but how to do it, um, that came from polls and speaking to my, my group on Facebook, like, what do you guys need? What, and like constantly asking, going, and there it is then. And, and of course, then it was consumed. It's like, the other way around is hard work. Dude, I know, man. People people immediately go to money. Hey, I want to host events because I can make money of it. But if you build a community, you can make, even like most of our events now are free, but initially they were all paid. Like we realized like, damn, it's all about the community. We can drive so much traffic. Like there yeah. was this launch party for this company over here. They had like maybe 20 people there. And I'm like, okay, let's do Let's do a misfit party there. Dude, 150 people showed up. Literally, like we sold out of everything we've ever done because of the That's community. Amazing. The community, but then that community like, thousand percent backs us they send us mm. referrals they love us they'll buy our products and we're building that community so then yeah. like one because we care but also let's launch different companies let's launch different brands let's launch different products that we know because we know this community we know them buy it right because we interact yeah. and we know them it's so simple it's, it's not easy it's crazy because it's not intuitive well it is intuitive it's just not what's done because people need their cash-based oxygen but but I, I suppose what I've done is build a position where the consulting I do can feed us. So I can, I don't know if you know Zach Messler, um, I met yeah. him at the New York yep. event, and it, he was like, so I like some of these events, loss leaders, and I'm like, sometimes there's basically no money, because I've got to pay the photographer, and I always make a donation to a charity. That's kind of the leverage, is what I've got the whole point of it. And like, eventually the idea is they become sponsorship led, and like the Barcelona one in two weeks is totally sponsored it. And, Ultimately, more the more the merrier, merrier. So I'm not bothered about ticket sales until I do a corporate event, and, and it just makes sense, you know. Give the, the like the, the people attending are the ones who are if they love it, they have a great time, and they haven't even paid. It means you get bums on seats, but also now they're going to talk about it. That was a nice thing. All of the hashtags and the, the Instagram post and that. It just like if you get it right, that really matters. So um, yeah, engineering events from outcome 
then the outcome shouldn't be cash. Cash is a secondary byproduct of the outcome you should be getting, which is people having a great time and people talking about your event. So whatever steps need to, or, or delivery is required to get them there, then that's what needs to happen. And the rest is all good. So, but yeah, I think, I think people chase money to the point that's like, I want to be a millionaire kind of thing. It's like, you'll get there faster and more effectively and you'll probably get there in the first place if you actually focus on, focus on the shit that people are going to give you the money actually going to want. And um, yeah, it takes a while for them to get that after one. Some never do, sadly. I love that. Um, I have a few more questions. Um, yeah. First one, so I, I just joined this, um, oh, I've been a part of it for a little bit, but this accelerator for entrepreneurs. So as an individual, I'm in it, they don't take equity in the company, which is awesome. Um, but everybody was pitching this group, we were at this event, all of the cohort, um, everyone went, I went last. And then at the, the next day, we may, meet this guy, one of our mentors, and he's like, all of you pitched and it all sucked. Um, you all led with what, right? Like you all just said, this is what I do, blah, 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 blah. Um, Versus leading with the why, which is like the Simon Sinek um, yeah. viewpoint, yeah, exactly. um, and you you mentioned something similar. You say, you said that you'll get to that million goal or that two million, whatever your actual financial goes fast if you actually if you're selling something that people believe in, selling people yeah. selling something that people want. So how do you how do you know what that is? How do you find that? Whether that's a company, a brand, a person, how do you a community? How do you find that thing? So this is the irony behind what I've been saying, but it does make sense if you hear me out. And, and you're right, by the way, because I, I make more, but I, by not chasing, I make more money now than I ever did in corporate London. It's ridiculous. So like, it's just by having fun with it. So what you need to do is remember that, that you can't move for people who potentially could buy your product. The, 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 you've just won the lottery because you've got almost 600 million on LinkedIn, or allegedly 2 billion, I don't know how many of those are fake on Facebook and on Instagram and so on. So you, you've got everyone there who could ever buy your product that already there, seated and ready to be sold to in some way. So the question of, are there people out there who might buy my thing, is, is already answered. What you've got to do is you've got to find them the right way. And, and actually the way to answer your question is to start with yourself. And ironically, you have to go selfish in order to serve the community. The reason why is if you go selfish first, you, what you'll do is you'll tune into the things that innately you love so much more than anything else. And someone asked me, uh, just to kind of, um, uh, kind of segue out, because this is an important way to describe it. Someone said to me the other day, like, what do you like to do? If, you, if it's like a Friday night and there's no one in, what would you naturally default to doing? I say, I'd be doing what I do now. Like, I would be engaging with someone, maybe trying to close something or building content or like, working on like this is my netflix this is my chocolate this is not like i wouldn't i wouldn't go oh, i'm just gonna watch telly there's nothing wrong with telly but it's not my thing so by being selfish and going this is what i'm really into this is what i love like it's not that i know sales because i've been on the pitch i'm a, like a nerd for sales now within a few months i was buying books on it going like my weekends with my commission being spent on courses and if i'm not doing so like, and I'm reading it in the same way someone reads a comic book you know it's just my thing and so when you learn all that stuff and like when you, when you know that you're tuning into the thing that you're selfishly into you couldn't want to do it more if I won the, the lottery so money was no longer an issue I would still be doing I would still be on this call with you bigger house better webcam but still on the call right because this thing is what I want to do and from that, you evangelize about the, the, your passion 
and because you're keen on it you provide gravity to people to come in orbit around you and the, the funny thing is you might be only half decent or average of what you're doing but because you're so keen on it some will pass you by most willing for that but some will love the way you say it and that's the thing and the people will be telling you this is the weird thing about it is because there are so many potential people that could be part of your network or community out there there'll be people out there who think you are the greatest in the world at what you do because the way you deliver it in your own way that might be quite dull or mundane to many is precisely the way they want it and i did a, a linkedin talk uh, at a business um uh, recently and there was this guy he was asking me about content and he said Oh, I just can't stand it when people are telling their story and all like their background. It's like, oh man, I just roll my eyes. And I said, he's like, that's just so the wrong way of doing it. I said, yes, you're right. It is the wrong way of doing it for you. It's the right way of doing it for the people that are going to like that guy. What you need is someone who does it in a different way. You need the kind of person who takes the piss out of people who do that because that's the community you're part of. It's just, you'll never move for enough people who could be in your community so if you start selfish with your thing and that's so good right how good is that it means you can you can focus on the thing that you really want to do more than anything else and there'll be people out there and, and the more you do it the more people will magnetize and stay in orbit around you and and for whatever value i give there are people who turned up today for that q a that were watching two and a half years ago and they, they show up every week and i'm i'm very fortunate that we've got these platforms now that you can attract people with but i strongly feel that that if you go selfish first and and genuinely indulge as long as it's not like unethical or violent then then it's all good i love that man that's absolutely gorgeous um one last question so this is the strange on purpose podcast so what about you strange what about you goes against the grain what makes you misfit um i am absolutely I, I i cannot get enough being really geeky so when my daughter dare comes home from work with science homework i'm like i can't get i'm so excited by it you know when i was having lunch a couple of hours before an hour before my q a earlier i'm watching linus sebastian on linus tech tips on i don't know if you know like this canadian dude like he's got like a big a youtube channel and you know he's talking about how he he's talking about like new new servers and stuff like that i'm like i just i'm, I'm all in on it now and i don't <laughs> even care sharing like i'm into astronomy i'm interested in in computer stuff and they're like all the nerdy things and it's just nice being a grown-up because you can really indulge and don't have to hide it as well and what's crazy is that people seem to like that and and for some reason some reason there's people who need the sales help and the commercial help i can provide that also are into that stuff as well and, and i provide that extra thing for them and that's proving my point there's enough people out there who when you filter and filter and filter they still are going to like you because they're into your thing so that's the bit that's stranger about me what about you dude everything's strange about me man like <laughs> but I think Walking that's right. The green flares, <laughs> <laughs> making your dog pick up cigarettes or whatever. What was that? Dude, thing it was a plant, man. It was literally a plant. I don't know where he got it. I just, I don't know. My our entire, like our company brand is built on the fact that we're different. My brand's built on the fact that I'm different. Literally, I my, mean, like. But I want to ask if I may ask one yeah. question back. 
a serious one about diversity because this is very, very on trend. And someone was asking, uh, was talking about it the other day, and I think it might have been from your crew actually. It's a very important, a very important issue because for some, because I work a lot with businesses that have now retrospectively got to fix the way they appear to the public, and say, like, it's like it's like the it's like the term authentic. Mm. with entrepreneurs and, and content creators businesses are talking about being having diversity because it's fashionable and politically important too but I think it's very I just want to be interested in your opinion on this because diversity doesn't have to mean diversity on a particular thing it should be diverse in all things so what I'm saying is that it might be circumstantial that your employees appear or look mm. or come across to be the same but the thing that they bring that's diverse is their view of the world what do you think about forced diversity what, what's your reaction to that because you you'll have to agree that some businesses are like we have to be diverse now because otherwise people won't trade with us yeah um what how do they how should they legitimately feel good about squaring that with themselves do you think I think it's got to be a lot deeper than that. Like, you've got to know why. Like, there's a lot of people, yeah, we have a diverse team, or yeah, we want a diverse team, but there's no real why. Um, it's it's going to make you better as a company, as an organization, but I agree it's got to be in all aspects. It, it's got to be age, yeah. it's got to be um, gender, race, like, even sexual orientation, like, all these different things, backgrounds, it's going to make you better as an organization, but then again, it's got they've got to be a good culture fit. Um, yeah. I would say if you don't know why, go figure that out. And I think it does start yeah. with you. Like, why don't you feel that that's important? Go talk to people. Mm-hmm. Why don't you feel that that's going to make your company better? Go talk to people because at the end of the day, it is. Because regardless of what you're selling, you're probably selling to minorities. You're probably selling to women. You're probably selling to people of different backgrounds. And if you don't have that diversity, you're going to come into groupthink and you're going to only think one way and it's yeah. just not going to be efficient. So I think it's a very good point, and actually, it's, it is interesting. I've worked with a company before, and, and the, the, there was a guy, the, 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 the top person there, he, he went so far as would say in hushed tones, like, "Just let's not bring any women in here." I was mm-hmm. like, "Dude, this is a ridiculous idea," and, and I think that it's, it's very important because, and I think I think you're right. The way to the way to fix it is to expose yourself to diversity, so you can sample what it can really bring. So yeah. uh, you know, again, just networking or, or bring people in, in in whatever way is needed but then you'll then you'll really get a taste of what other people can bring i think it's important to do and it's just i just i just don't think that way not that i ever did really but i just don't think that way now it's like um if you're good that's it you get the job that's how it works age don't give a shit like it's like if you're good that's what matters you know yeah. and i think that's how it should be yeah good and fit the culture for me important yeah um, yeah you should have a general vibe about like the, the sense of direction and the yeah. why i suppose in business that makes sense yeah absolutely do lastly like where can people find you what should they keep an eye out for because you're beast man thank you mate um well yeah so so facebook instagram and and, uh, and uh, linkedin makes sense but if, if you want to reach me um my kind of hub is richard uh, sorry so it's the richard oh, and richard. there's all the links nice. on there <laughs> uh, it's a long story man there was no richard someone else had it it's one of these really like no disrespect him, but like he never uses his website. I'm like, how much do you want for it? And then so he wasn't selling it. So yeah. He doesn't even update it. So he imagine buy the Richard Moore. It's a really self indulgent awesome. name. <laughs> uh, but anyway, so and or LinkedIn is a good is a good shout. So uh, Richard James Moore, I'm under, and um, yeah, uh, um, or or your podcast. Yeah, dude, I will send you everything when it is out, and I appreciate you so much for coming on. I'll put all of the information in the show notes and everything. So definitely check that out. 
You're welcome. It's an honor, mate. Really nice to be here. Dude, you are the shit. Appreciate you, man. I'm sorry this took me so long. <laughs> I'm just no, I know it's crazy. You know, it's, uh, there's no one, there's no one who is immune to it now. It's like it's like it's impossible to to go. Oh, let's just jump on a call. It's always like a month. Dude, so, the time uh, zone, bad, man. Time zones are a bitch. For good reasons. It's not because like I'm being lazy. It's because of not stuff on, I suppose. Mate, it's nice to catch up with you again. And I hope we do again soon. Um, before November, it'll be nice. Um, and uh, when are you moving to a new place? Are you there already? Uh, we are moving probably two days. Exciting. Well, is it game changing then? It is, yeah. Um, scary, but it's big, big game changer. Because when we spoke last, you were saying you just signed off on with like five thousand square foot or whatever, and or some whatever it was. Yeah, super it small. It wasn't five thousand. Five was, five year lease. Yeah, I have to find his money every month to pay for this kind of thing. So, because your, your crew must be what, like, is it like eight or nine now? Or uh, we were ten, now we're back down to nine, but we're going to be eleven. Not all are full time, there's uh, about six full time. Yeah. Well, that's good. You're starting to get people saying, Can I work with you, please? A so lot. Yeah, it's crazy. <laughs> it's a really cool feeling, though. No, that's amazing. Well done. Well, I've, I've got a dash if that's all no, right. No, no worries, man. I appreciate it. I don't know if you need anything, but you know, if you want to use bio and that uh, or the headshot from LinkedIn, it's no problem. Awesome, dude. I appreciate you. We will chat soon. Take care, and I'll see you later. Cheers. All right, bye.